thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Uh, grab your bulletin. Uh, on the back is uh, pretty much wide open. It's all yours, okay? Uh, we're in a series called In It But Not Of It. We've been looking at, at uh, how to live in a world that is really not our home. That we as believers, we as children of the king, we're told that we're passing through. This is not our home. Don't get comfy. Don't think they're going to love you here. Okay? But, but we're here for a little while. We're vapor. Here for a little while, gone. But we have a job to do while we're here, to be salt and light and other things that God's called us to be. And so what we've done in this series is uh, we have tr- we've looked at how to be in this world, but not of this world. And our text has been Romans 12, 2. That, that says that we should be no longer conformed to this world or to the pattern of this world, but we, who are called by God to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might know God's perfect will, His pleasing and perfect will. And so we've been looking at that, and what we've done, we set it up, and then I looked at different people in the Bible who had characteristics who were in it but not of it because we want to model those dudes, and that's what we've done. And so today, we have two more weeks left, this one and one more, and this today, we're going to look at Paul. Paul, mm, Paul's an hombre, I'm just going to tell you. He, he, he's an hombre, and I don't know that 25, 30 minutes is going to do justice in Paul's life because through Paul, we have over half the New Testament. All right, so, so we're just going to kick his tires a little bit today, okay? Now, understand this about Paul. Paul was not going to be on any GQ magazine anywhere. Just wasn't. Short, round, and bald. Okay, everybody comfy now? I mean, because that's not, that's not, that, that's not going to happen. Right, so that was Paul, okay? Paul, Paul that was kind of Paul. Paul was rough. Paul didn't always smell wonderful, okay? Bathing was not a big deal for Paul. He'd rather be studying or writing some of the New Testament. And and so so this is Paul. But Paul was a passionate follower of the king. And I'm going to tell you something. We can learn a lot from Paul's life. And we're going to look at five things today that we definitely, definitely need to incorporate in our lives, okay? I, I've, got, I've got a verse that, that it's just Jeff that I have deemed as Paul's life verse. If you hear this verse, I automatically think of Paul when I hear this verse. This is what Paul, this is who Paul was. And I want you to look at it. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, some of you uh, may show me a different verse, and those are some good ones. My wife pointed out a couple last night, but she did not sway me. I'm still very solid on mine, okay? But uh, there's some other verses that are really cool, but this is the one, when, when you read it, you think of Paul, and you're going to see a lot of Paul in this. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If you want to say one thing about Paul and sum him up, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I mean, he stood for the word, and he would speak the word. And he didn't ask you for a popularity contest. 
He just spoke it. He just said it. He stood for it. And later in life, it cost him his life. He was mortared by that. Okay? And so understand something. That was Paul. And I want to look at five things, and you can jot them down, five things about Paul's life that we want to kind of incorporate in our lives. Number one, that Paul was wholehearted. I mean, Paul didn't do anything halfway. Paul was radical, he was crazy, he was risky. We talked last week about extravagant. He was extravagant. He went he was going beyond reasonable limits. That was Paul's life. I mean, that's who he was. And I'm going to promise you to this, if you haven't already figured it out, in this day and time that we are living in, if you are not wholeheartedly on the king's team, you're in trouble. I mean, you, if you're going to wear the jersey, you got to wear the jersey. You can't hide it for a season. You can't turn it inside out. You can't decide when it's good to wear it, when it's bad not to wear it. You're going to have to put the jersey on and wholeheartedly commit to being part of the king's team and live for him. This halfway stuff's not going to get it done, and that's what Paul exemplified for us. I want you to go to a text. This is in Revelation Go to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation 3, 15 and 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's a bad way to start your journey with Jesus. Jesus says, look, if you're going to go with me, if you're going to be part of me, if, you, if there's come a time in your life where you're accepting me as your, Lord, your Savior, and, and I'm Lord, and I'm Savior of your life, and you're, you call yourself a Christian, this lukewarm stuff is over because you're going to make me spit you up. Don't make Jesus spit up. Live a life that would honor him. Go wholeheartedly, go all in, no limits, extravagant, go risky, go radical. Don't care what people think. Just stand up and say, yes, I am a follower of Christ. That's what you got to do. This, this hot, cold, depending on who's looking, is not going to get it done. Okay? You can't be hot at church, cold at work. Okay? You got to be all in. Because Jesus said, don't make me spit you out. Today, where are you? Just a simple question. Jesus Jesus just really felt like throwing you up. When he looks at your life, he looks at you, he looks at you at work, he looks at you wherever you are, he's confused, you make him nauseous, he he, he needs, he just, he can't figure out what you are. You don't, you just, you don't know what, you're just, a, you're just doing whatever the dance is, people playing music for you. Decide whose team you're on. Decide who you're with and follow him and don't look back. Don't make him spit up. Number two you see about Paul is his thankfulness. All through his writings, constantly through his writings, you see nothing but thankfulness. I want you to turn to uh, Colossians. Go to Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 2, thankfulness. You see that in the world today? No, 
You do not. Not like you should. Thankfulness. Look at Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in your faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. Flip over a couple of pages to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Look at uh, chapter 5, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It says, be joyful always. We'll get to that in a little bit. Pray continually. Give thanks when? In all situations, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful, overflowing with thankfulness. Be thankful in all situations, all circumstances. Let me ask you this. You, are you thankful, overflowing with thankfulness, thankful in all situations and circumstances? Are you? Because the world is a grappy, whiny, complainy world. If we're going to be in this world and not of this world, if we get over there in this camp and we gripe and complain and nye, 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 not grateful, not thankful, none of this stuff, we just, we absolutely look just like the world. But what happens when you're over here and you're thankful and it's overflowing? I mean, it's strange today, but if you say thank you to people today, it almost shocks them. 30 years ago, if you didn't say thankful, they're about ready to slap you down. I'm just telling you, rudeness is kind of the norm. It's just sad, but it is. You want, you want, to, you want to shock the world today? Let your thankfulness be overflowing. It, it messes with people. Just say thankful. Just say thank you all the time. I mean, even when they insult you, this is my deal. When people just chew me out, I just, I don't know what to say. And what I'm going to say is flesh. I just say, thank you. They look at me like, I'm trying to make you fight with me. And why are you saying thank you? It just messes with them because it doesn't fit. It usually derails the conversation and they leave. That's just good. Just be thankful. Are you grateful? Are you thankful? Is that something that you have to really try to be? Are you normally not that? L let me ask you to, to incorporate one thing from Paul's life, if nothing else. Learn to be thankful. Just learn to be thankful. Just learn to be thankful. Learn to be grateful. Because if you will, as mom and dad, your kids will echo that. But if you gripe and complain, guess what? You're going to raise a family that gripes and complains. And you're going to wonder why nobody wants to come over your house. That's why. Be thankful. Be thankful. Number three, joy. Mm. Joy. The book of Philippians is pretty much summed up by the, by the word joy. That is, if, if you wanted to look at the whole book of Philippians, Paul and that whole address of the book of Philippians, he simply says joy or rejoice 13 times in that book alone. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Joy, 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 joy. Does that not sound like the world? That does not sound like the world. That's not what the world does. The world says, gripe, 
gripe, complain, complain, unhappy, unhappy, never enough. That's the world. And when we start doing that, by the, we start conforming to the pattern of this world, guess what happens? You don't look any different. You don't look any different. Blend right in, blend right in. But when you're constantly having joy, when you're constantly rejoicing, that's hard to do. There's a level of maturity that that comes from. There's a stockpile that must be, uh, you, you're going, that's going to take several cords of wood, okay? You're going to have to do some cutting, all right? That's going to have to draw from somewhere, okay? This surface stuff won't get that done because on the surface, you're going to want to gripe. But joy, joy comes from the depths, my friend. Joy does not come from happy. See, happiness comes from happenings. If I get this, I'm happy. Oh, that's joy. No, that's happy. Joy is when you don't get that. Joy is when it doesn't go your way. Joy is when you don't get picked. Joy is when your circumstances stink and you're still rejoicing. Oh, you say, well, Paul didn't know nothing about that. Paul, don't, he didn't have a clue. Oh, <laughs> you might want to check Paul out just a little bit, okay? He had a clue. We'll get to that in a little bit, okay? Look at uh, Philippians chapter 4 real quick. I don't want to get in this too much because I'm going to read it in just a second, but I want you to see how it starts. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when it's good. Rejoice in the Lord when it's not windy. Doesn't say any of that. Doesn't. I mean, four or five years of drought tested our rejoicing. Okay, but I'm going to say something to you. It's not, it's not a matter of can you rejoice when everything is perfect and it's just like you ordered in prayer, but can you rejoice when all of your prayers seem to be silent? That will separate the men from the boys. That will tell you whether you got good tread on your tires because it will leave a mark, my friend. You see, my friend, when you're praying and you're praying, and you're praying, and it's nothing, and it's nothing, and it's nothing. Can you still go in with an adoration of praise? Because you might just be one praise away from breakthrough in that prayer. But what we tend to do is this. We put God on a timetable. Well, that's two weeks of prayer. Nothing happened, so I'm just going to tell you how I feel about it. And we go to grappling. We go to complaining, and that's not, that's not, that's not it. And we're going to see how, what happens when you really know how to pray in just a little bit, okay? Joy, rejoicing, joy and rejoicing. Is that a characteristic in your life? If not, why not? It needs to be a part of us because if it's not a part of us, the opposite of that is a pattern of the world, just simple that. You say, well, I, I, I'm real happy when things are good. That's what the world does. That you're not doing anything different than what the world's doing. But are you, are you a person full of joy, and do you rejoice always? That is a different-looking person, okay? Number four, you see in Paul's life a spirit of contentment. We know it as peace. Paul was a man of contentment, and he was a person or a man of peace. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4. We, kinda, we were there already, so look at Philippians chapter 4, 
Look at his contentment. Look at his peace here, okay? He begins verse 4 by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thankfulness, present your request to God. And the peace of God, mm, but the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and fill your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that passes all, all. I mean, it, it just it, it, it absolutely trumps everything. I mean, they, they won't even understand it. It passes all understanding. It trumps it all. The peace. The peace. The peace. Does your life have such peace that people look at you and they can't even define it? They don't even understand it. How can you, when you're walking through what you're walking through, have such peace about you? You say, well, Paul knew nothing. He didn't, he didn't, he was never, he was never pushed to that limit. No, he wasn't. He was only beaten. He was only whipped. He was only stoned. And he was just imprisoned. That's just a little bit. Now, not just just Taj Mahal prison. We're talking nasty dirt floor, rats crawling, dirty, scummy, sick-looking kind of prison. Nasty. And that's where he pins this book. <laughs> rejoice always. Oh, just rejoice. Peace. Look at contentment. Let's go down a little bit further. Look down at verse 10. Philippians 4.10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned about You've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living and plenty are in want. I can, do, I can do everything or all things through him who gives me strength. No matter the circumstances, I have found the secret to being content. You need to underline, put a box around, put lights around, secret. Listen to me. The secret here is verse 13. There's the secret. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, we put that in locker rooms. We put that on T-shirts, and that's sometimes the theme of the verse because that's going to help me overcome 6'8", 355 linemen. That's fine. But really what it means is I have found the secret of being content when all the circumstances around me say you shouldn't be content with that. And the secret is that I can do all things. Christ, it gives me strength. That me 
and God make an unbeatable team. There's nothing that filtered through the hand of God that I can't handle, that, that he's not strong enough, and his strength that lives within me is not capable enough of helping me through it. No matter what it is, I'm good. Because I know the secret of being content. And that is the fact that I know that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Is that your life? Do you know that you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Do you know the secret of being content? When we moved to the mission field in Arkansas, that was my verse. Learn to be content in any state, any situation. Right? I mean, that's what I had to get through. I mean, you got to have a verse to get through life sometimes, amen. And so six years in Arkansas, that's my verse right there, man. Be, I know the secret. I can do all things. I can do mission field in Arkansas. Come on. And then you can get me back to Texas. And, and so that's it. You got to understand. Do you, know, do you know the secret of being content no matter your circumstance? Are you? Because the world says, I'm never satisfied. More more, more. And if I don't get what I want, I'm unhappy, and everybody around me is going to know I'm unhappy. And I know, little girl, at the store, it's not your fault that you don't have what I want and what I drove all the way here in my car with a heater on, and it's cold, but I, I had my coffee, and I drove in my heated car to your heated store, and I walked in to get, a, get something, and you didn't have it, and it's your fault. I'm about to tear you up because your store didn't have that. I'm sorry, but you look like the world, ma'am, and you need to take your Jesus shirt off because that's a terrible commercial for the king. That's just a terrible commercial because you need to learn to be content no matter the circumstance. You need, get your, you need to get your Lottie and get back in that heated car and drive back to your heated house and go back to one of your nine bedrooms, okay? If you're going to make it. You're going to make it because Paul's on the floor in the dirt with rats crawling over him, and, and they didn't have a bathroom in there, Okay? And it wasn't a big place. And he says, I have learned the secret to be content. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Last thing, we got a rope. Number five, beautiful stuff here. What you see about Paul is Paul is some kind of worshiper. Woo! Paul could worship. I mean, he could worship. He could praise. I'm going to tell you something. If you can go back and look at this. Acts chapter 16 25 to 30, this story is when they throw Paul and Silas into prison. Now, the reason they threw him into prison, there's a girl with a demon in it, demon in her, evil spirit. The spirit could interpret the future. So her owner said, Woo, we make money off her, make money off her. So they're making money off her. Paul cast the spirit out of her. He cast it out. Just took that evil spirit, cast it out. They said, we ain't having that. Throw them suckers in jail. So they threw them in jail. So they're sitting in jail, dirty floor, rats everywhere, nasty situation. So what's Paul and Silas start doing? They just start singing hymns. Singing hymns. Somebody's in there right now thinking. That's why we should sing more hymns, preacher. All right? But, but listen to me. They start praising. They start singing hymns. They start having a great time in, in, in that jail cell. All of a sudden, the ground starts shaking like an earthquake. All of a sudden, the doors come down. Boom! All them, all them bars fall down. Or the guard freaks out. The guard's like, oh, my gosh, they're going to get out of here. I'm going to get fired. They go, oh, they gonna get, I'm going to get in trouble, man. So he goes running in there. They're just sitting there. They're sitting there. Then he move. Then he move. And this is what the guard says. Wow. 
can you tell me what I need to do to be saved? Woo! Can you tell me what I need to do to be saved? When's the last time somebody looked at your character and your integrity and your life and said, whoa, you got to tell me what I need to do to be saved? When's the last time someone saw your life and wanted what you got? When? They looked at you. They looked at you because they gave you too much money instead of keeping it, you gave it back. You should have treated the person this way, but you forgave them. You love the unlovable. You were Jesus to them. Your character, your integrity trumped everything the world saw. And because of that, someone looked at you and said, I need what you got. I don't have that, and I need that. You see, Paul's life, that's what happened. He's just sitting there, never moved, just still singing. Just singing. And the guard freaked. And the guard said, tell me what I need to do to be saved. People around you at work, your kids at home, your wife, your dad, your mom, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law. When they look at your life, when they watch you, when they watch you do this thing called church outside the walls of the church, by your life, just your life, is it pointing people to Christ? Do they want what you have? Oh, that'll mess the world up. In it and not of it? Mm-hmm. I've never met one person that has conformed to the pattern of this world that I went up to them and said, can you please tell me how to be saved? They don't know what that means. But I've seen a whole bunch of people that did not conform to the pattern of this world, but they were transformed by the renewing of their minds that I said, mm I'm going to model that characteristic in your, in your life, in my life. Paul and Silas, the walls fell. They could have walked out, and they sat there. And the guard said, please tell me what I need to do to be saved. This morning, I want you to look at your life. Do people really want what you got? Are you a scatterer or a gatherer? What are you? If we're going to be in it and not of it, my friend, we model this wholeheartedness of Paul, thankfulness of Paul, the joy of Paul, the contentment and peace of Paul, but last, the worship of Paul. That people would see our lives outside the wall and want what we got because of what they see in us. Mm. This morning, we're going to move to a time of invitation. Invitation time is pretty simple. God's spoken, and now we react and move out of obedience to what God has said. Whatever God said this morning is exactly what he wanted you to hear. Now the question is, will you put your feet with those words and let it change your life? This invitation time, there will be people down here. If you need prayer, you come. This altar is open. Some of us need to fall right here and say, God, my life would not lead anybody to Christ. And it's got to stop. Maybe you're looking for a church home. I'd highly recommend this one. Or maybe you need to meet the Jesus that Paul met on the road to Damascus. It changed his life.
You can do that today too. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to stand and you come as the Lord leads. Father, this morning, you're great, you're mighty, you're awesome. Your Holy Spirit has spoken and enough said. Now it's our turn to respond to your Spirit. Father, I pray that you'd give us a heart that wants to follow you. A heart that says yes to you and that our feet would give evidence to that. May we be obedient now in Christ's name. Amen.